Hey, Rob Bradford here. You guys know I'm always up for a good MVP story, and one of the best stories is Wasabi Technology. Wasabi is the world's hottest cloud storage company, and it's become the go-to provider for professional and collegiate sports teams, including 20 major league baseball teams like the Red Sox and NHL teams like the Bruins and Vancouver Canucks. Even the Liverpool Football Club is getting in on the Wasabi action. So why is Wasabi the MVP? Well, Wasabi was purpose-built to free businesses from skyrocketing storage costs and unpredictable transaction fees that the Amazons of the world are charging. In fact, Wasabi is up to 80% less than those hyperscalers and doesn't charge a cent for businesses to access their data. From Wasabi's AI-enabled intelligent media storage, Wasabi Air, to the industry's only cloud storage service with triple protection against cyber criminals, data deletion, and ransomware, Wasabi's taking the lead in driving innovation in data storage and helping sports teams to unleash the power of their data. Wasabi, another Boston-based champion team. I'm Mark Willard, and this is Inside Giant Moments, presented by T-Mobile, an official San Francisco Giants podcast. In season one, we looked back at some of the most iconic moments in franchise history. Now, it's time to focus on the present and future. We'll cover memorable wins and the off-field moments, interests, and personalities of the 2021 Giants team and staff. Join us for Season 2 of Inside Giant Moments, now. The entire 2021 Giants team, as resilient as they are, could be considered a group of battlers. On an individual basis, some of them have had to experience a tougher grind than others just to make it to the bigs. Two players who are in the midst of their most consistent play in the majors to date share the story of their grind. First up, Tyler Rogers, who was literally moments away from giving up his baseball dreams when they suddenly came true. Look at you now, the centerpiece of the Giants' bullpen after being a community college guy, eventually drafted in round 10. Uh, how does that sound when, when you hear it and sort of look back on what's taken place? <laughs> yeah, I tell you what, that uh, long journey, that's for sure. Uh, a lot of stops <laughs> along the way, but... Uh, you know what, a lot of memories along the way as well. A lot goes into that, as you've said. So I, I'd love to start early on. You're not drafted out of high school, uh, but but onward you go. And I want, what, at what point did you start to realize, hey, big league dreams are actually possible here? You know, I think realistically I started thinking about, uh, you know, maybe big league dreams really <laughs> – really after I got drafted, I, it was, it wasn't before that, I don't think. And, and, you know, and I wasn't a lot like a lot of guys growing up. It wasn't like, I loved playing baseball and everything like that, but I really didn't think the big leagues were a realistic thing for me. And, uh, you know, I went to college to pursue, pursue, uh, being a firefighter. Um, and that's why I went to community college to begin with was their fire science program and they had a baseball program. So it was great. And then, um, I was done with that after two years and uh, ended up getting a scholarship to Austin P state. And I was like, you know what, let's, let's, uh, let's go play two more years of baseball and then go be a firefighter. <laughs> and then, you know, and then I got drafted. I'm like, okay, I'll just go see what the, you know, minor league baseball is like for a little bit and then I'll go be a firefighter. And then I think probably once I got to San Jose and, and then had a, pretty good little year in my first year of a ball i was like "Ooh, this could this could maybe turn into something so that's when it it might have came reality to me 
that's fascinating. You might be the first person that's ever said to me, like the big league reality didn't even set in until you were already in the minor leagues in pro ball. Like you, you weren't thinking that at any point in college. No, uh, honestly, I was, I, I was just, I was thinking my brother would be a big leaguer. That's really all I was thinking about. <laughs> <laughs> Um, that's awesome. That's awesome. We're going to get into uh, you and your brother here in a little bit. I, I wonder this too, though, like uh, the delivery that you use, if you could give everyone the background on, on how that came to be, were, was that always your delivery? And how did that bolster the pitcher you've become? Yeah, so the, uh, it came about, and I was my freshman year at in uh, junior college at Garden City, and um, by – Coach Chris Finnegan approached me about uh, you know dropping down or, or throwing sidearm, and uh, there was a guy there. He was a sophomore at the time. Uh, I was a freshman, and he was throwing uh, like sidearm submarine, and he was having um, quite a bit of success. And I was watching him, and and so when the coach approached me about it, I was I was kind of all in on it really, and. Um, you know, first few throws didn't didn't feel that bad and felt pretty huh. natural from the beginning. So I I stuck with it and uh, and that's what you got to do really. If you if you're someone's listening and thinking about dropping down like that, you got to go in 100 percent and and just trust it because if you if you have one little you know thought of well, I don't know about this, it, it's not going to work out. But um, yeah, that's kind of how it came about. I was going to ask you if the, the, the first time you did it, the ball went all the way to the backstop or something. But but you said it it felt pretty normal right away? Yeah, it felt pretty normal. And really, I didn't have a dip in velocity, really, that much of a dip. Um, I really didn't throw that hard over overhand. And it was – I threw a little harder in college than I do now. I had a little higher arm slot, so I was able to get a little more velocity. But, uh, yeah, I think that's why I stuck with it. Is it, it felt okay. Uh, no, no real dip in velocity. And, uh, I threw my, my whole freshman year, I pitched with just the fastball. I had no, no breaking ball or change up. So that, <laughs> that really helped me, uh, you know, really trust the sinker when that's all you have, you have to trust it. Well, that's the Jake McGee question. How do you pitch when the other team knows what pitch is coming? <laughs> Jake McGee's been been throwing that pitch for a long time, hasn't right. he? It's it, it's quite <laughs> impressive. <laughs> but you did it too. It sounds like in college. Yeah, yeah. But then uh, you know, it, and then it evolved into what it is now. Like when uh, when I first started, it was it was like a high sidearm, you know. And and I just I just progressively kept getting lower and lower. Wasn't trying to. I just kind of did. And uh, you know, I never thought about release point. In my mind, I just kind of let that come naturally, and, and I just try to just make sure my body was going towards home plate, and not falling off towards third. And then um, I went and played summer ball in uh, New York one year, and I pitched a whole heck of a lot, and that was big for me because I needed to learn a breaking ball. I needed to learn, you know, how to pitch really, because you know I didn't I didn't pitch a lot in high school, and um, really just started throwing you know, submarine or sidearm my freshman year. So I needed some experience, and that's exactly what I got going to play summer ball. Uh, you started to make your way then through the Giants system with pretty consistent progress, right? Three years in, you're up at AAA Sacramento. What, what's your feeling at that point? Did you feel like you were getting close? 
<laughs> yeah, I thought I was on the fast track, to be honest with you, Mark. I was <laughs> moving pretty quick, thinking things are good. <laughs> but um, that's that's one thing about baseball is is it's a it's a humbling game, and you know if you get too high, it'll it'll bring you back down. That's for sure. Um, well, you already mentioned your twin brother who's having his own experience. Obviously, you guys are the same age, but he went pro a year earlier than you. So what kind of sort of frame of reference or, or guidance was that providing for you? I tell you what, that was that was huge for me. Uh, him basically being a year ahead of me in, in all this, it was uh, such a good learning experience. And then, you know, him just showing me that, you know, when he got called up or when he goes to AAA or when he gets drafted and does good and succeeds and moves up, it, you know, it shows me that it that's realistic and that I can do it too. So he gave me the confidence that, you know, I can, I can do what he's doing in a sense. Uh, did you, did you learn anything specific from, from watching him sort of progress through his own grind? Oh man, a whole bunch of things really. And, uh, you know, I just, I just learned from, from things really about Taylor. He, he didn't shy away from anything and, uh, any challenges or anything like that. And I, I kind of like that about him and, and that's kind of what I take from him and, and just little things like that. And, you know, Taylor is, is, uh, you know, never going to turn, turn the ball away. That's for sure. Uh, by 2017, he's a full-time member of the Twins. You're starting year two in Sacramento, and I know, and it's evident by listening to you, how close you two are. Um, but but dig deep on this one and, and be honest with me. Was there ever any professional jealousy? No, no, never. It was never of a, a thing where, you know, oh, man, he's in the big leagues, I'm not. It was it was never that feeling. You know, like we are we were – we do get compared because we are twins, but yeah. at the end of the day, you know, we're we're two different people and, and two different careers, and and I never felt jealous. Well, I guess I was maybe jealous a little bit, but I I was so happy for Taylor to be in the big leagues, and it was never of a never a moment where I was like, oh man, I'm not there, he's there, what's going on, anything like that. It was always just so happy for Taylor and and getting to watch him and and. Uh, you know, it's kind of a blessing in disguise not getting uh, called up at the end of 2017 or 18. Um, the Twins were in the playoffs, so I got to, I got to go to a Twins game and uh, watch Taylor live for the first time since high school. So that that was a, a good experience for me. So you got to, you got to just go sit in the stands and and be a fan. Yes. Yeah. And what was that like? Yep. Did he get in? And and what was that experience like for you? It was it was pretty cool. So I went, I actually went by myself. So I flew from Sacramento to Minneapolis, and um, my my wife girlfriend at the time wasn't able to come. My parents weren't able to come, so I just went by myself. And I'm sitting there in the in the family section and meeting some of the families and wives or whatever. And most people are, most fans are coming to ask me for autographs because they think I'm Taylor. And I'm like <laughs> I'm like no, his <laughs> brother. <laughs> and, uh, um, he came in the first time he came in to pitch the uh one of the ushers uh came and grabbed me and he moved me down right above the dugout like front row corner seat best seat in the house so i got to watch him pitch he threw a nice little scoreless inning 
and he's walking off. And I'm just, I'm the only one standing up in the stadium, just clapping, going nuts. And and he sees me and he just gives me a giggle, like, "What are you doing?" So that that, uh, that that's my memory from Minnesota for sure. That's a fantastic uh, picture that you're creating. What were what were conversations like between you two? Because as you're saying, it's, it was a positive experience, not a competitive, jealous experience. So he's in the bigs, mm-hmm. you're on the doorstep. What what's he telling you during those times? <laughs> I actually had to calm him down because Ta- Taylor was was getting a little less patient than I was. That's for sure, and. Oh. Um, uh, he was he was saying things and 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 if you know Taylor, he says what's on his mind, and I have to tell him to to you know to calm down and must be quiet and just let things happen. He's like, no, no, I'm, this is a bunch of bogus, and I'm like, no, okay, <laughs> relax. But that that that's Taylor for you. He's always supportive, that's for sure. <laughs> so so you're the chill one uh, in, in this in this uh, yeah. pairing. Yes, hundred <laughs> percent. What was that like when you were young? If he's kind of the more aggressive one. Yeah, it, I was actually talking to my mom earlier because um, she sent a picture of us when we were growing up, and uh, she was joking how Taylor always had to be, you know, really early to things, and I was kind of the guy who wasn't as early. I still like to be early, but not as early as Taylor. And I'd always come upstairs and Taylor's standing at the top of stairs, like, let's go, let's go. And, and I, we'd be wearing like the same shirt. And so I'd have to go back downstairs and change. And it was the, the, kind of the joke how Taylor never had to change his shirt. I would always give in and change my shirt for the day. But uh, yeah. <laughs> That's awesome. Uh, you know, and, and through all this too, I mean, it's not like you weren't performing. Your minor league numbers were always really, really good. And then you're six years in, and you're still waiting. So what were you telling yourself during those times? Mm, yeah, and, and I think if you if you are looking at those numbers, Mark, you'll see that in 2019, uh, that's probably the worst year of my career, really, huh. the year I got called up. <laughs> and um, it was a simple fact of my mental state with baseball just wasn't there. You know, and and we're really starting this year in 2021, uh, Kapler and Farhan, everybody were really, you know, preaching mental health and, and talking to people and expressing things. And I think in 2019, I probably should have done that because I was I was not in a good mental state. Um, you know, I was I was upset that I not, hadn't even gotten a big league camp invite yet. You know, I, I had made the all-star team triple A twice. And I was thinking, well, there's not much more you can do. You know, how do you, how are you going to get to the next level? You know, kind of next thing. And, and so and the minor leagues is, is, is not easy. And I was still on a minimum contract and I was, I was flat broke. I wanted to, uh, wanted to get married, but I couldn't, couldn't do that at the time. And uh, so I was, I was not happy with the game of baseball and, and my numbers reflected it. But uh, somehow I got through. I got through that season, and um, you know, Farhan gave me a chance, and and uh, just so thankful for that chance. How close did you get to leaving? I mean, I got called up on August twenty seventh, and I was I was going to be done September first. That's for sure. I was. It was. It was really close. I was. I was right at the end. I really was. Six days away. From retiring. 
Yeah, yeah, pretty much. I'd already started researching uh, fire departments, see who was hiring, start getting ready for testing, stuff like that. And yeah, I was I was on my way out the door. I'd already I was already planning on it. Really, I wasn't going to give it any, uh, another chance. Hmm. But Farhan came calling just in time. Just in time. Wow, nice buzzer beater. By the way, when you're all done with this, whenever that is, are, do you still want to be a fireman? Yeah, yeah, I think I do. That that was my that was my dream. Uh, so there, in my family, there's four generations of firefighters in my family before me. So I would be the fifth. So that would be something that I'd really like to do is carry on that legacy in, in the Rogers family of the fire service. Oh, love it, love it. That's fantastic. Um, I wonder while you're while you're going through that, are are you in any way sort of blaming? your style like the game evolves from the time that you got drafted to the point where now everyone's throwing 98 miles an hour you're over here doing submarine you know and 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 what touching maybe 88 did you feel like your your style was being phased out yeah yeah i did i did but i i always kind of had that feeling that you know if your numbers at the end of the year will show that, you know, your style could work. And and I get it too, you know, from a front office perspective, if you're going to call somebody up from AAA and they go out there and they don't perform good, you know, if, if the guy throws 98, it's a little easier to, to tell somebody, well, we called him up, but he throws 98. It just didn't work out. And everyone, fan base, everyone's like, no, it makes sense. No problem. But you call a guy up who throws 84 and it doesn't work out. It, it doesn't look, as good you know what i mean so i think maybe that that's why that it took me so long to to get there was i just needed to have a little bit longer track record in in the minor leagues to show that that i can you know get big league hitters out so that that's just all it's all it is just took a little longer uh was there any warning that august 27th was coming or was it a total shock no no total shock um you know, this Steve Klein, the pitching coach at the time in, in AAA, he he does he does uh, he does this old school thing where he tells people to keep their phones on them. Okay. Because, <laughs> <laughs> but, um, you know that happens quite a bit in, in AAA. You know, you'll get you'll get told, you know, hey, you know, keep your phone on you. You know, you didn't pitch tonight. Maybe this. You know, whatever. And you see it in the AAA game. You see it a lot. You'll see guys not pitched that night. You know, you look at the big league score. They went 12 innings the night before. You're like, okay, someone's going up from AAA. Who's it going to be? So you see that a lot. And, you know, if I had a nickel for every time I got told, you know, hey, keep your phone on you, you know, I'd have a couple bucks probably. Right. So I, <laughs> I didn't <laughs> – I didn't think too much of it because it'd be my fourth year at AAA right at the end of the season. You know, hey, keep your phone on you. I got, I gave it the yeah, sure, kind of thing. <laughs> but um, we were doing we were doing end of the year physicals, and the trainer called me and he goes, "Hey, can you come in early and do your physical?" I was like, "Yeah, no problem." So go down to the field and I walk in the clubhouse to do my physical, and and nobody's in there. There's no doctor. I'm like. I'm like, oh, yeah, you know, typical doctor being late. I'll just wait here, right? And then Brundy walks around the corner, and he goes, hey, you're going to pitch tonight? I said, okay, that's fine. You know, and he goes, but you're not pitching here. He goes, you're pitching in San Francisco. And so, yeah, I had to call my brother. 
let him know. Um, my wife was with me at the time, so she was waiting in the car. So I ran out, told her, said, we got to pack our stuff. Let's go. So that, that was, uh, that's how all that came together. Um, unbelievable. But I mean, before you call your, your brother and your wife though, what, what's that moment like when he says you're going to San Francisco? Yeah, I gave, I gave Brundy a big old bear hug. That's for sure. (laughs) But, uh, yeah, I mean, instant emotion. Yeah. Uh, and you did pitch that night and you threw a scoreless inning. How how do you put those emotions into words? (laughs) Man, uh, yeah, it was it was a long time coming. It was it was nice to have Stephen Vogt um, catch that day because he he had been in in Sacramento earlier that year, so it was kind of you know a, a thing of familiarity with him. And um, you know, I stand on the mound and you hear, you know, Tyler Rogers making his major league debut, and I'm like getting ready to pitch, and Stephen Vogt's like standing out in front of home plate, like fixing the dirt in front of home plate. Like it needs fixing, and he's just like looking at me, kind of like, "Hey, take this in." Yeah. So that that was uh, a really fond memory of my debut. Yeah. So good, so good. And then, uh, what kind of thought process evolved next? Because now, instead of the grind to get to the bigs, all of a sudden it's the grind to stay in the bigs. Yeah, yeah. At that time, really. And and like like I said at the beginning here, you know you gotta you gotta go all in if you're gonna throw sidearm or submarine. You gotta trust your stuff fully. So that's what you gotta <laughs> right. come back to and say, oh, these these hitters you see them on TV all the time, but you know what got you here? How'd you start? Okay, I trusted it, and that's what I'm gonna keep doing. How do you compare the process of the two now that we're a couple years removed and you have established yourself as a big leaguer, the grind of getting to the bigs, the grind of staying in the bigs. Man, you know, they're, they're really one and the same. You ask me, I mean, it's a, it's a, an everyday thing, you know, and, and I don't take being in the big leagues any day for granted. And, um, you know, it, you find new things, you learn a lot of new things, and you try and apply them. But at, at, at the end of the day, you know, you got to tell yourself, you know, you got to be able to look yourself in the mirror and say, I did everything I could to stay. And uh, and hopefully, you know, I can stay for quite a while. You've referenced your wife a few times. I, I wonder what this has been like for her. What, what's the minor league grind like for a, for a spouse? Uh, I tell you what. Uh, she was a, a first grade teacher when I was in the minor leagues and, and she was my sugar mama for a while there. <laughs> She's got to be the only first grade teacher sugar mama in the history of the world. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. <laughs> but, uh, you know, teacher, teacher has been, is, is a pretty good occupation for a ball player wife, you know, with the, with the summers off. So that that's been good. And, uh, and she's been, she's been great. And, uh, you know, she's, she's having just as much fun as I am. That's for sure. Uh, when you go back to late August, 2019, we're, we're coming up now here on two years since that moment, could you have, have envisioned this big of a role, uh, just a couple of years later? Um, no, no, not really. Um, you know, at the, at the, in 2019, I was really just trying to, uh, to really just 
get my feet wet. And, um, you know, a couple weeks after I got called up, there was, there was no more get your feet wet time. It was, Hey, you know, Boats is putting you in in the eighth at Dodger stadium. And I'm like, Oh man, you know, that the, the get your feet wet portion is over and it's time to, to actually start performing. So, um, you know, I didn't think of the, of this role really when I got called up, but, uh, it's something that you, that you always dream about for sure. And, uh, you know, the leverage roles are, are definitely fun out of the bullpen. And so now you and your brother are both big leaguers. You both have sub three ERAs in the big leagues in, in 2021, absolutely crushing it. So w- what are those conversations like now? Man, I'll tell you what, it is so fun to – I like being on the West Coast because the, the Minnesota Twins play before my game. So I get to, you know, watch Taylor pitch. And, and those, are, those are the best days when I get to watch Taylor pitch before my game starts and then I get to go out and, and pitch. Those are, those are definitely the best days. And I'm sure my parents and my grandparents and, and everybody in our family and friends enjoy when, you know, we both pitch on the same day. That's got to be really cool for some of them to watch. And uh, last year we, we both got a win on the same day. So we, we got the – the lineup cards from that. So that, that was a very cool experience for us to, you know, both get a W on the same day. And, and our next, our next uh, objective is to each get a save on the same day. So that's our next goal. So we talk about that quite a bit. Okay. Quick pause to tell you about our sponsor T-Mobile, one of our favorite partners because of how relevant they are to giants fans, because you're never far from McCovey Cove when you've got America's largest and fastest 5g network. In other words, T-Mobile is your ticket to the game, whether you're home or away. The Giants are big league. Why don't you come on up and join them? Switch to T-Mobile, the leader in 5G. Fastest 5G by Open Signal Awards based on average speeds in USA 5G Experience Report January 2021. See 5G device coverage and access details at T-Mobile.com. And now back to Inside Giant Moments. Next up, Steven Duggar, who seemed on the verge of losing his spot on the Giants' 40-man roster at the beginning of the year. The way he's playing now, he's not going anywhere. It's been six years since you started in the Giants' organization, and while you've had your moments, your best stretch seems to be happening right now. Would you agree with that, and and how does that feel mentally to sort of reach the point you've reached? Yeah, I think think it's just – to be completely honest with you, just playing free, um, playing free, uh, just trying to be myself and um, honestly just having a high degree of confidence every time you step on the field. Um, it's uh, it's definitely been a lot of fun uh, just trying to help this team and this organization win games, uh, you know, for all of us and, and the fans. Uh, so it's been a good stretch. It's been a good run, good start, and uh, we look to keep it rolling for sure. Let's go back to the beginning when, when you started in Salem Kaiser and played very well, by the way, right out of the gate. What was your vision then? How, how did you think the next few years were going to go? Yeah, I mean, you know, I think I think it's every kid's dream, you know, to, to play in the big leagues and to uh, to stick in the big leagues and to be around for a long time. Um, and that was just the first step, you know, coming out of Clemson and uh, having an opportunity to go to Salem. Um and kind of just get your get your professional career started and kicked off, and I think that was just a you know a time where 
super laser focused, trying to come in and make a good impression. And um, yeah, it was a it was a good time out in Salem for sure. Uh, you were put on a bit of a fast track after that. By June of the next year, you're already in Double A, and you're hitting over 300, and you're making the organizational All Star team. Things are rolling. Did did you almost have to fight overconfidence at that point? How how were you feeling? Yeah, I think uh, honestly, no. I think it was just um, more of just uh, you know, kind of settling into like your you know a, a first full season, really. Um, you know, I started in San Jose and at the all-star break, got promoted to, uh, to Richmond and, um, honestly just wanted to close the year out strong. You know, I was felt like, uh, felt like my body was feeling good and the swing was feeling good. And, um, yeah, just wanted to close out the year on a high note and, um, you know, ultimately was able to do that in, in Richmond. I'm sure you're aware of this. There, there's quite a thing in the Giants organization about homegrown outfielders because they haven't had many come up over the years and succeed long-term, at least in recent years. Was that on your mind during your, your minor league career uh, that, that maybe you'd be the one? I mean, yeah, sure. I mean, you, you, you've, you've heard about it coming up and you get drafted and, you know, homegrown talent and, uh, how much the Giants, uh, you know, wanted wanted their players to be successful, the guys that they drafted, and um, I think that, uh, you know, not solely focused on that, but I think um, honestly, just trying to trying to get better, uh, um, and ultimately make a difference at the big league level, and I think uh, I think that's been the goal all along was, you know, to get to San Francisco and. Uh, ultimately be a guy that um, is out there every day and um, helping bring home wins for the San Francisco Giants. Out there every day is an interesting statement in today's baseball, too, because while to a certain degree you guys are out there every day, there's also seemingly very few who uh, are in the starting lineup every day. Um, You've talked before about how this team deals with that and deals with it very well, but is it – is it difficult to uh, to get a flow going because of that? Uh, I think it can't be at sometimes, but you know, at the end of the day, it's um, you know whatever's best for the for the organization and the team, and uh, on any given night. And I think guys, uh, you know, just personally speaking, you know, I show up to the field every day as if I'm playing every day um, in the lineup every single day, and uh, I think you know when you do that when the moment comes, you're prepared. And I think, uh, I think it's just a testament to the culture we have here, um, culture that we're building. And it's, uh, you know, like I've said, you know, for the past few weeks, it's just been a lot of fun to show up to the park. Um, you know, regardless if you're in the lineup or not, you know, you're going to have an opportunity at some point in the game to make a difference. And, um, I think everybody prepares for that opportunity, whether it's from the rip in the starting nine or, you know, off the bench. Uh, going back to your story of coming up, how, how did the injury in 2017 affect you? Yeah, it was a tough blow, um, you know, because obviously because, you know, the injury itself takes a toll on you mentally and uh, obviously physically. I mean, through the rehab and through the grind, I think uh, – I just, I felt like I was starting to get, you know, have a rhythm and get going. And 
um, you know, ultimately wasn't in the cards that year. And uh, it's tough, man. Anytime you deal with injuries, man, you just feel like you're kind of alone. Um, I mean, you still feel like you're part of the team, but it's just not the same, you know, like you're on a different schedule, you get different rehab times and you're not out there with the guys. It's uh can definitely be a tough time for sure. Um, well, yeah, you were on the doorstep too. I mean, you're, you're, you're right there at that time in your career. So when you get back and you're healthy, how difficult was it to kind of get back up to, to speed and, and kind of recapture where, where you were? Yeah. I mean, it's, you know, it's, it's tough. You're, you're out of the game for a little while and, you know, depending on the severity of the injury, this is 17, right? This was hammy. Yes. I think this was hamstring. Uh, yeah. I think I joined, I got the trips at the end in August of 17. Uh, yeah, it was kind of the same mindset. Honestly, it was just coming back and, um, you know, trying to stay locked in as much as you can. And, you know, ultimately I just wanted to finish 17 on a, on a strong note to kind of get, get ready for 18. And I think the, you know, the short month that I was in, in SAC in 17, um, you know, it was a good learning opportunity, good learning experience. Uh, so I kind of knew what to expect going into 18 and ultimately just tried to hit the ground running. And 18 was the year that you, you finally get the call July 8th of 2018. How did you get the news? Um, I was in Reno. I was actually eating. Uh, it was after the game. Uh, we were eating. I was sitting with Chris Shaw at a at a diner in in the uh, in the hotel, and uh, I got a I got a text from Brundy and said, "Hey, meet me down in the lobby." And I was like, "Oh, what's going on here? Like, this isn't you know what's going on." I thought I was going to the All Star game for AAA. Um, so I was talking just talking with Brundy and then he broke down the news right there. I still have the video on my phone, uh, but uh, it was wild, man. It was wild. Day game the next day in SF. I flew out that, uh, that morning, um, Sunday morning and was in there against the Cardinals. A lot of so you, have a, you have a video of this. It's in a lobby. What uh, take me through the emotions. How would you describe that moment? Honestly, man, it's just such a blur. Um, yeah. You know, you, you, <laughs> you worked your entire career, your entire life, uh, you know, for that, for that simple phone call. And, um, you know, it's, uh, it's a blur, man. It's hard to, it's hard to put into words, just, uh, kind of shock, but also just expected it to happen. You know, you, you just, like I said, you work so hard all year, every year, uh, to just have an opportunity to play in the big leagues. And um, it was a special moment for sure. No doubt who'd about you, it. Who, who'd you call? Well, I called my mom, <laughs> obviously called the fam. Uh, it was 3 a.m. over there, so she didn't answer. <laughs> um, but, uh, yeah, I I, uh, I texted my girlfriend at the time, my wife now, and let her know what was going on and um, told a few friends. Um same thing just kind of left some text overnight like i said we were in reno um and my my family's back in the east coast so it was it was bright in the middle of the night uh so just texted them try to go to sleep didn't didn't sleep a lick <laughs> and, uh, was on a was on a plane to sf the next morning yeah 
I bet that's – you know, I've never really thought about that. I bet guys are usually making their major league debuts on very little sleep, huh? Uh, yeah, I would imagine that's the case for just about everybody. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> uh, uh, that's awesome. What, and what were your first impressions of the big leagues compared to what you had been doing your entire career until then? Yeah, it's – you know, at the time you just try to – honestly, just try to slow everything down and just – you know, hey, it's it, this is baseball, man. It's baseball at the highest level, but it's still baseball. Um, so just go be yourself. Go, go. Uh, ultimately, just try to have fun. I don't think I felt my legs for the first five innings of that game. Uh, <laughs> but uh, yeah, it was uh, definitely, definitely a day I'll never forget for sure. I wonder if you feel like your real grind actually started then as opposed to leading up to then. Like, like, would you agree that, that your grind maybe is a little bit more about staying in the bigs rather than getting to the bigs? Yeah, I would, uh, I would second that for sure. Um, it's, uh, you know, you've always heard it coming up, you know, Hey, it's, it's really tough to make it to the big leagues, but it's even harder to stay there. Um, and, you know, unfortunately, I've kind of experienced that firsthand over the last year or two. And, um, you know, and there's been some things that have played into it, too, you know, not making excuses. But I felt like, you know, I felt like in, in 18 and even 19, um, you know, with the with the labrum surgery and then even the, the AC joint, I felt like both of those times I was starting to find my my stride, my rhythm and felt like the game was starting to slow down for me. And then you get hurt and then you know, you're out for so long and then trying to come back. And uh, it was definitely tough uh, mentally more than anything. But, um, you know, like you said, it's a grind, man. It's a grind. Find a way. I, I wonder about that that sort of internal struggle that you were just describing, you know, because as you go to 2019, most of that year is in the bigs. A uh, little time in Sacramento, probably some injury rehab there, but you're dealing with injuries. Your numbers when you do play in Sacramento are off the charts. Uh, so so how do you sort of battle through, stay resilient when you're you're dealing with all that? Um, but but maybe the game also seems to be coming a little bit easier to you, uh, at, you know, at that minor league level than it was at, at the big leagues. Or, or would you not put it that way? Um, you know, to be honest with you, I feel like um... – you know, I feel like I've just become more of myself. You know, I think I think I've just matured as a player. Um, you know, ultimately, I think it's sometimes it's not always about what you're doing, but you know, guys on the mound are pretty good too. You know, yeah. I mean, we don't like to give them credit, but <laughs> sometimes they're just going to make a couple good pitches, man. And instead of going down that rabbit hole of like, oh, you know, letting letting one, two, three, maybe four at bats. Um, kind of dictate how you're feeling, and then you go into like a week or two of a stretch where you're just, you're searching for something where you, sh- you you shouldn't have been searching in the first place, you know. Um, things just like that, you know. Instead of going down a rabbit hole and end up, you know, letting things manifest over, you know, a couple weeks. Ultimately, you uh, you get back in the box and you compete and uh, you know find a way, you know, ultimately. Just find a way. Last year was such an odd year for everyone. You struggled through a limited role. It was a limited season. How, how do you look back on that? How did last year affect you? 
yeah, I think uh, I think it was a difficult off season for me, um, it, just because it's one. It was one of the worst seasons I have ever played uh, professionally, collegiately, anything. Uh, that it was it was it was a uh, it was a difficult time, um, just because I knew that I was so much better than I was performing. Uh, you know, my role had diminished, and I felt like things were starting to kind of get off the track. So uh, this off season was, was a big one. It was a big one for me. Um, not only in the weight room, but in a cage, um, you know, preparation, um, ultimately just trying to get back to myself and uh, just trusting all the work that we put in through the off season, through spring training. And, uh, you know, ultimately I just wanted to come into camp this year uh, with a, with a laser focused mindset and just to prove to the organization, uh, to the front office and ultimately my teammates, uh, that, that I'm a guy that they can depend on, um, when, when I step on the field. So, uh, yeah, it was a difficult off season for sure. But, um, you know, I even, I even texted cap earlier and earlier in spring training and said, you know what, I'm better for it. And, um, I'm coming. So, huh. yeah, I love that. I'm, I'm coming. Uh, yeah. you, you texted that to Gabe Kapler. Yeah, I, I, I told him. I mean, he's our manager, you know, and uh, ultimately you just want to build trust, uh, you know, through, uh, through your teammates first and foremost, but ultimately, uh, you know, the, the staff too, that, that I'm a guy that they can depend on to get the job done uh, regardless of what it is, you know whether it's playing exceptional defense, uh, running the bases in the box, off the bench, starting nine, uh, regardless. Um, just to be a guy that's, you know, consistent. That's what I've been chasing for a while. I love that. So you're you're putting that amount of focus and energy into the start of this season. And then the, the team obviously has a great start to the year. Um, you know, you're, you're somewhat a part of the picture. Then they acquire Mike Talkman. Uh, what what are you feeling in, in in that moment? What what kind of pressure are you feeling in that moment? Yeah, I think uh, I think if you asked me that question a few years ago, it would have been um, a completely different answer than than what I would tell you now. Um, you know, ultimately, as a baseball player, um, there's quite a few things that are out of your control, um, and ultimately, I just wanted to remain focused on things that I can control, and that's you know, showing up to the field every day, making sure that I'm healthy, making sure that I'm available and um, just really focus on things that I can control. And uh, I think that that's where, you know, I've seen the biggest growth. Um, it's just working on myself, man, working on myself uh, to ultimately be, be better for the team and the organization. I can tell you keep talking about putting in the work, and it's clear that you've you've put in the work. Are there specifics though that you point to now and say that's what that's what helped me turn this corner? Because something really seems like it suddenly clicked. Yeah, I think you know. I think the word that I keep coming back to is consistency, and I think to in order to do that for me, it's been just a more simplistic approach. Um, you know, I think you combine that with the preparation and, and, you know, some of the game planning and, um, you know, conversations with the hitting coaches and, uh, and teammates, um, 
I think it's a combination of all those things uh, that have just allowed me to, to, to be a little bit more free um, and to just be myself. And that's one of the things that I really love about being here is, uh, you know, this staff and, and the front office allows you to do that, allows you to just be yourself um, and they get the most out of it. So, uh, yeah, ultimately, I, you know, again, go, coming into spring training, I felt like I had flipped a page and turned a page, um, just being a little bit more simple um, in the box with the approach and mechanics and all that, um, just kind of just being simple uh, to, to be able to, to be able to be able to ultimately perform when you get an opportunity. And I think that's something that I've been able to do so far. Is there a specific member of the staff or maybe even a teammate that's kind of your go-to that's really, really kind of shined in terms of, uh, uh, of helping you get to where you are right now? Uh, yeah. I mean, yes, yes is definitely one of them. Um, crawls, definitely one of them belts posy. I mean, it's tough to, it's really tough to single out one certain guy. I mean, you know, I've been around these guys for, you know, a couple of years now. And I think the relationship that we've all been able to create and build, um, it's easy to have conversations that might not have been easy to have, you know, coming up. Um, so I think that along with, uh, along with Eck and JV and, and Dustin, um, being able to have conversations to, you know, become a better ball player, a uh, better teammate. Um, combination of a lot of things, man, ultimately, uh, just to be able to perform. Thanks so much for listening to Inside Giant Moments presented by T-Mobile. Don't forget to give us a rating and a review and share this episode with your friends and family. To make sure you never miss these exclusive conversations each week, subscribe and follow the Inside Giant Moments podcast wherever you listen to podcasts. It's blazing hot outside. You get in your car to turn on the AC to get cold air pumping, but it blows hot air out. This issue is commonly caused by low refrigerant due to leaks in the AC system. You want an easy, all-in-one solution that will restore the cold air in no time. AC Pro Recharge Kits. Make restoring cold air easy for even those with zero DIY experience in less than 10 minutes. Save time and money versus going to a shop by picking up an AC Pro Recharge Kit today. Be a pro with AC Pro.